If you have a copy of God's Word this morning, let's stay standing for the reading of God's Word. It's going to be in Romans 2, 1 through 5. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to get into your word, to see what you have for us here this morning. God, thank you for how you use these verses in my life and change my thinking. I just pray that you would do the same thing for people in this church. Um, pray that hearts would be open to what you want to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Rob. I'm the pastor of Youth and Connections here at Living Waters. Um, and I get to preach this morning as Pastor Josh is out. Um, the, the, the title of this message is The Presumptive Church Person. The Presumptive Church Person. So last week, Pastor Josh said, hey, hold on, because church person, your message is coming, right? And uh, that's this week. This is for the church. This is for the church person, the person who, who is at church often. Have you ever presumed or taken anything for granted? Is there anything you've ever taken for granted in your life? As a youth, you probably take for granted, you know, the food that your mom makes you, those nice, warm, hot meals, right? Maybe that your sheets on your bed are clean from time to time. Husbands, you might take for granted that uh, your clothes go in the hamper and somehow they end up back in your drawer, right? It's not the clothes fairy in case you needed to, to know. Like Sometimes you take that for granted. Wives, maybe you take for granted that uh, your husband mows the lawn or, or uh, changes the oil. And if I'm getting these roles mixed up in you guys' house, I'm not trying to offend anybody. Um, parents, maybe you take for granted the small amount of time that you have with your kids before they grow up and they're out of the house. And uh, yeah, I've, I've heard many people that have had their, their kids grow up and they say that time just flies by. And we don't have any out of the house yet, but our oldest is a junior and I can see how that happens and that you can take that time for granted. Grandparents, maybe you take for granted, I doubt that you take this for granted, but grandparents, maybe you take for granted the, the hugs that you get from your grandkids. But I know most of you took for granted uh, when I had a full beard. <laughs> because I know some of you have outwardly judged me for my mustache. So uh, don't worry, it's coming back. The competition ends uh, at the, the end of October. Uh, and Holly will be really thankful, I'm sure, for that, <clears throat> as will some of you. 
But the big idea this morning is don't take for granted God's kindness. It's meant to soften and change us. Don't take for granted God's kindness. It's meant to soften and change us. So do you take for granted God's goodness? That's the question this morning. Do you take for granted God's goodness, his kindness? This morning we're going to look at four aspects of a presumptive church person. Four aspects of a presumptive church person. So let's get in. Aspect one, the presumptive church person is a dirty judge. They're just a dirty judge. Verse one says, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. So the context is that Paul is talking to the Jews, right, at this point. And he has to start out and say, therefore, um, because the Jews have to look back. And Paul's saying, therefore, like, look back at chapter 1, right? And so chapter 1 has has the list of the 21 sins that is is listed out there. And the Jews are looking at this, and uh, and Paul's writing this to the church person, the Jew, in in, uh, chapter 2. Because the Jew is thinking, I'm not like them. I'm not, I don't do that kind of stuff that, that they're doing in chapter 1. They're big sinners. You see, I'm not exchanging sexual relations with someone of the same sex or outside of my marriage. I'm not evil. I don't covet. I don't malice. I don't envy. I've certainly never murdered anyone. I don't gossip, slander, or hate God. I love God. I'm not insolent, haughty, or boastful. I don't invent evil. I obey my parents. I'm not foolish, faithless, heartless, or ruthless. I'm the, I'm the good guy here. I'm the good guy. I don't, I don't do those things that you're talking about in chapter 1, Paul. I don't, I don't do those things. And the church ladies are going, they do everything right on the outside. They work hard, try to do the right thing. They serve God. They probably even use the phrase, bless your heart when talking to the sinner in chapter 1 and looking down their nose at him. The Jews in Rome were hearing the message and saying, that's for them, those sinners over there. You see, I don't do any of that. And Paul's saying, oh, presumptive church person, I hope you're thinking about your inward thoughts. Because we do this. If you start to think about your inward thoughts and how you can look at somebody else and what they're doing on the outside, we can, we can become judgmental in our hearts. So Paul's response is, hey, church person, you're a dirty judge. Imagine a judge. Imagine a judge is um, a really good judge, as far as everybody can see. He's a Harvard graduate. He's been seated on the bench. He wears his black robe. He's always, he always seems to make really good judgments on the bench. People in the community love him. He, he's an outstanding member of the community. He shows up to church. He does everything right. That's on the outside. But no one knows the piece of information that's going on in the backdrop. In the judge's time off, he's taking bribes to sentence the right people, committing murder, and he's sentencing people to life that cross him. Paul's saying, you're a dirty judge. So the dirty judge, 
comes from, if you look at 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. God sees your heart. God sees my heart. He sees the sin inside of you and me. We can't sneak anything past God. He sees it. He sees how you think about people. He sees when you get angry with others, when you lust over another man or a woman, when you gossip but label it something else, when you name call someone and call them a fool. He sees the calculated moves you make at work to try to jump up on somebody else. So if God sees all that, the Jews going, if, if God sees all that, uh, is that, is that okay? Because, like, you know, that's just in my heart. I mean, I didn't really do those things that, that's going on. I mean, God sees those things in my heart, but I didn't, I didn't do those things that you're talking about in chapter 1. Well, Paul says, wrong. You look at Matthew 5, it says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Talking about the heart. Things going on inside of the heart. Matthew 5, further on, 27, it says, You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, Right? But I say to you that everyone who looks, who looks on a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery within his heart. Sin takes place in the heart. These are Jesus' words. They tell us that a lot of sin takes place in the heart. So, are you starting to understand, presumptive church person, we, you and I, Judge people, but we do the same thing. We're a dirty judge. We're a judge who's murdering people in secret in our hearts while then sentencing others to prison. When we judge, when we look down our noses, even in our hearts, when we, when we do that, we're sentencing others to prison. Aspect number two, the presumptive church person believes they have an out. They believe they have an out. Verses 2 and 3, it says, We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? So, God's judgment is perfect. He is a perfect judge. Maybe the Jews were thinking, God might overlook some of the things that they've done because they're God's chosen people, right? God's chosen people, so maybe God will over, just kind of overlook that. Or maybe they're thinking, it's in the heart. It's in the heart. Once again, I'm, I'm not actually doing it. Uh, someone, uh, someone else is doing that, but I, it's just in my heart, and so God will see that and go, um, hey, it's, it's not as important. It's kind of a lesser sin, you know? But here's, here's kind of something to think about. Man, so if man looks at the outward appearance, 
we look at things horizontally, right? We look at things looking left and looking right. We look at those kind of things. And we, we look and we say, okay, someone's angry. That's not as bad as someone murdering someone, right? Because we're looking at things horizontally. But when God looks vertically, when he's looking down as the righteous judge, he sees, he sees all of the sin without depth perception. That makes sense. If anybody's been in photography or anything like that, I, when I would take pictures of crime scenes and I would have to get depth perception, I would have to use something else, whether it's like a footprint in the snow and I would put something down in the snow or if it's a fingerprint, I would have to get the depth of the, the grooves and the lands. So I would have to get that depth. God doesn't do that. When God is looking from above down and he sees our sin and the kind of sinner we are, there's no depth there. We're all sin. We're all sinners. We're all filled with sin. If you look at James 2.10, God is a perfect judge and requires perfection. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. One point. Is there, is there one point that you can think of? Like if, if you're examining your heart, probably a lot more than one, right? Like, and that's probably just this morning. So listen, presumptive church person, what God is saying is that there's no out. There's no out. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. So the presumptive church person, are you starting to see that you're going to be weighed perfectly? You will be weighed and judged perfectly by a perfect God. So if this wasn't clear enough, Paul Paul had to do something else to make it a little more clear. So he had to use sarcasm, right, to get through some thick skulls. Have you ever had somebody have to use sarcasm to get through to you, or have you ever used sarcasm to get through to somebody else? We've got some people here that are really good with sarcasm. Uh, uh, so we got, I mean, I could start listing names right now. I won't do that again. I did in the first service, but we've got some people that are really good at sarcasm. And so imagine those people reading this verse, because this is, this is Paul being sarcastic. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Really? So I put a slide up here. You know, it's the old, the old slide. He's like, please, tell me, tell me more. Tell me more about how you are going to escape the judgment of God. Tell me more. Tell me about how you're going to do that, please. It's not going to happen. Paul's driving his point home. He's saying, you're not escaping the judgment of God. You are just as bad as the people that you're judging. And you're going to be judged perfectly. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So he's saying, look, you guys, you guys can dress the part, you can look the part pretty good on the outside, right? Church person, this is you, this is the audience. We can look pretty good on the outside. Inside, he's talking about the heart though, and you're, there's, is it dead? Is the heart inside dead? 
No one escapes God's judgment. Someone has to pay for your sin and for my sin. Someone's got to carry the mail. That's a Biddle line. Usually Biddle says, talks about carrying the mail. Someone has to carry the mail, and it's not you or me. But because of God's perfect judgment, we only deserve eternal separation from God and an eternity in hell. That's what we deserve. Because of our sin, that's what we deserve. We deserve God to rain down on us right now in judgment. But God hasn't done that yet. Why hasn't God done that? Because he's kind. So aspect number three is the presumptive church person misunderstands or ignores God's goodness in their life. So if you're looking at the first two points, that's pretty heavy. You get to this third point and you start to see the hope, the hope that's there. Verse four, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So to presume is to take liberty or to take for granted the things that God has given us, right? So his kindness. Ephesians 1.7 says, If in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And I'll come back to that. But God is kind with us. He's tolerant with us. He's patient. He's slow to anger. Exodus 34. The presumptive church person does not see or know God's kindness. But here's God's kindness. If you woke up this morning... I had a slide. If you woke up this morning and you saw um, maybe this view, if it was like, I don't know, around 5 o'clock or so in the morning, you saw this view if you looked out my backyard. And God's mercies, when we look out and we see a beautiful sky that God has made, God's mercies in our life are new every morning. He's kind with us. Do we deserve it? No. Is that something that he extends on the just and the unjust? Absolutely. So many things he extends. The nice weather, the Iowa sunsets, the sunrises, happiness, etc. All the blessings that we get from God are his kindness to us that we don't deserve. If you think about the presumptive church person, um, they're like a cat. We're like a cat instead of a dog. Okay, you might have heard this before. Like dogs, dogs say, like hopefully I'm not going to offend cat people, but Dogs say, like, you pet me, you feed me, you put a roof over my head, you must be God. A cat's going to say, you pet me, you feed me, you put a roof over my head, I must be God. <laughs> and that, that's, exactly what, that's exactly what the presumptive church person is doing, right? We're, we're saying, look at all these blessings, God, that you've given me. I must have done something right. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The presumptive church person is like a cat. But the biggest thing the presumptive church person is misunderstanding or ignoring is how kind God the Father was to send his son Jesus to come to earth. So imagine as God, God knows what's going to happen when he sends his son to earth, and that's part of his plan. It's the game plan to send his son to earth to come live a perfect life to die a horrible sacrificial death, to take upon himself all of our sin, mine and yours, and then be raised from the dead three days later, defeating sin and death. That's God's kindness. 
in our life. That is God's forbearance. That's God's tolerance. He, he gives us Jesus. He gives us Jesus. Because God is so kind that he sent his son to take our punishment, the punishment that we deserve, he took it. He took God's wrath for those that repent and believe. He lifted the weight of sin for all who believe in him. But the purpose of God's kindness, when you look at God's kindness, all of these good things that he does, it's not like a cat. It's going, God, you're so good and you're so kind. And it should lead you to repent. It should lead you to change, to go a different direction. That's what God's done in my life. Luke 18 says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But that tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful with me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Don't take for granted the goodness of God in your life, church person. Like the tax collector, repent. Put your trust in Jesus because he's kind. God is kind. So the church person who's a believer you should also be remembering God's kindness even more so because you, you have experienced God's kindness in a saving way in your life, right? So when you see the person in, in chapter 1 and all of those 21 sins and they're wearing it on the outside and everything's going on and they walk through the church doors or they come into your life, your response, my response should be, God, you have been so kind to me. I want them to know the same kindness that you've shown me. And so it should cause us to want to love and to show them God's love and to lead them to God's kindness and not look down our nose at somebody else. So aspect number four, the presumptive church person will get God's wrath. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So Paul knows that some of these church people that are hearing the message would remain with a hard heart and they would not repent. The people that are showing up, doing all the right things, they just have that hard heart and they're not going to repent. That person is storing up wrath for themselves, the self-righteous church person is stacking sin upon sin while they judge others and do not deal with their own unrepentant heart. If you look back at chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's what the hard heart is doing. 
So often, if that's you, and you're examining your, your inward heart, right? I don't know, I don't know where your heart's at. I mean, God knows. On the outside, to me, you look pretty good, right? But God knows, and you know where you're at and what's going on inside of you. And if your heart is hard toward God, soften your heart. Don't suppress the truth. So the truth here this morning is that some are presumptive Christians, taking for granted the goodness of God. Stop. Repent. Think of his goodness and his kindness in your life and repent. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. That's my prayer for you. As I was, as I was preparing this message, um, and I was, I was beginning to, I was trying to preach it, I'm out in my garage and I'm trying to preach it, and when I think of God's goodness, almost every time when I'm just preaching the garage, just so good. It's just so good. I'm just overwhelmed with joy at how, how good God is in my life. And I want anybody here to know how good God is. So in closing, the presumptive church person is a dirty judge. The presumptive church person believes they have an out. The presumptive church person misunderstands or ignores God's goodness in their life. But the presumptive church person who stays with a hard heart will get God's wrath. As you examine your own heart this morning, are you a presumptive church person, believer or unbeliever? You've heard of God's kindness that is for you. Maybe you've experienced God's kindness. Certainly have, whether you recognize it or not. How will you respond this morning? Write down how you are going to apply God's word, Romans 2, 1 through 5. Maybe go home and reflect on it a little bit more. It should lead us to repentance and change. Let's pray and um, we'll let just God work. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Romans 2, 1 through 5. And what you've what you've shown me uh, and reminded me of, of just how good you are. And uh, I pray that everyone sitting here would know who you are and your kindness and your love toward us. And God, that if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that, that has never experienced your kindness, God, I pray that they would repent, turn away from their sin, put their trust in you and your son Jesus, who paid it all. God, and for the believer, I just pray that they would also just examine their own hearts and, and uh, remember your goodness. Remember the day that they were saved and so many other mercies that you continue to show them. God, we thank you. I thank you for how merciful you are in my life. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.